Nobody expected the arrival of a baby in Bethlehem to shake up their lives. But when that baby is Jesus, plans are rearranged, beliefs are challenged, and ordinary people find their lives upended and forever changed. We meet today to celebrate an old, old story. It's a good one, but it's an unbelievable one. In fact, this familiar story may have just diminished some of its awe for you. I mean, just think about it. If anybody, anybody at work or... You read on the internet, virgin gives birth. Just those headlines. What do we do then? We smile. (laughs) Really? This is news. How did this all happen? And we get a little bit skeptical. But for most of us, Year after year after year, and even multiple times during the year, you will hear this story. And maybe it moves you a little bit, or maybe you might have forgotten a detail or two, but our comment is, that's nice. That's nice. Most of us have been introduced to the characters We know Joseph and Mary and Gabriel and the shepherds and the innkeeper and the wise men. And of course, baby Jesus. What if, though, we could start over? We could hear this story again for the first time. Again. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. How do you hear a story for the first time Again, well, maybe today, maybe, maybe this season, we could experience the wonder, the fear, the miracle to see and to hear what these teenagers saw and heard. If we can, I bet some of the awe just might return. Let's pray before we open up the Word. Father, we, as we focus on this season, we we don't have a clue. We don't understand ultimately what it costs you. We don't understand the fear and social outcasts that both Jesus, excuse me, that Mary and Joseph experienced. We don't understand how Jesus, the Son of God, chose to come in the flesh, not even to a rich family, not even to a a, a family that feels established, but to a couple of teenagers. God, we know your plan was prophesied, and we know that you needed to send Jesus. But God, somehow this story has become familiar. And we don't want it just to be familiar. 
We want to be able to gaze differently. We want to be able to fall on our knees. We want to absolutely understand the wonder of this. So change our hearts even today, Father. We ask that. We pray, Father, for all those churches, especially churches in the area, who are proclaiming this message this day. We pray for Casa de Erosion. We pray, Father, for new hope. We pray for Grace Point. Father, these are all converged churches right in our neighborhood. And we know that they love you and we know they're preaching your word. We ask you, Father, for those, well, all over this country and all over our world, those meeting in living rooms and those meeting in cathedrals. We pray for those who are visiting us on the web. We pray, dear God, that you would move in an unbelievably powerful way, even today. That you would shake us up. That we would rekindle a little bit of what you did for us and why you did it. We pray for all those servants downstairs sharing good news, meeting with our kids, serving them, helping them understand your grace and your mercy. We pray, dear Father, that this celebration would be just that, a celebration of your love. We pray all these things in your son's powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, such a familiar verse. We still see it at football games, and it's John 3.16, but, but John, one of the apostles, was <laughs> overwhelmed with who Jesus was. And he just tried to describe the gospel over and over and over in different forms. But he said in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved this world that he gave his son. He gave his son. So that anyone who believes in his son his son who died on the cross, his son who shed his blood. <laughs> They're never going to die. They're going to have eternal life. Something so power, so big. Later on, John wrote this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. But God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and his only son, into the world that we all might have eternal life through him. This is real love. So this is a season of, of celebrating God's love. Not always understanding his way, but to be so grateful that God cared about you and me and that he wanted to establish a relationship it still should blow our minds. That alone is crazy love. The way that God came into the world. 
not only was unusual, it's shocking. Will you ever get over the fact that the person who spoke the world into creation is the one that said, I am going to humiliate myself and go and live among a bunch of people that really don't treat me <laughs> the way that I ought. Wow. Who signs up for that? Who, 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 who desires to do that? You will see a virgin giving birth to the Son of God is fertile ground for all sorts of dilemmas. In fact, the word dilemma is defined as a difficult situation or problem. The Christmas story is filled with real people who find themselves in various dilemmas. Yet, in midst of these various Christmas dilemmas, we will find that God was at work and that He alone is worthy of our faith. I'm going to focus on Joseph this morning. So many of you have read about Joseph, but there's, there's just not a lot about Joseph in the Bible. We know that Joseph was a tradesman, a blue-collar worker who lived in Nazareth. And just a side note, carpentry to a Roman was the trade of a slave. Sorry, Dave. But it's just how it is. I look at the trades today. They're not depicted as occupations for slaves. As a carpenter, or, or maybe Jesus, even a better way to look at it, was a cabinet maker, he had to measure twice and cut once. Plans were part of his work, and planning was part of his DNA. Joseph also had plans for his life. He was betrothed to Mary and was preparing his home. <laughs> Things looked pretty good. Immediately, though, when I use the word betrothed, oh boy, it, don't hear that word anymore. It, it, betrothed is cultural, it feels odd, but it is critical to our story. As you look back, so many of the specifics varied in a betrothal process. But if I could maybe give you some basics. First of all, when someone was betrothed, it was permanent. It was just as if you were married. It meant no turning back. It wasn't at all like an engagement, although hopefully most engagements are like that today. It usually happened from about three months to about 12 months. And the only thing that was left was that the ceremony had to happen. They needed to move in together and the consummation of the marriage. Because Mary was betrothed to Joseph. The folks in Nazareth would consider Mary and Joseph husband and wife. That's just how it was. 
The story gets complicated, though, as most of you know. When Joseph's plans collide with God's. Not sure how Joseph found out, but when he did, he had to be shaken up when he heard his wife, his betrothed wife, was pregnant. We might lose a little bit of the awe or the surprise living in a culture like we do, but back then, oh, uh, while the scriptures specifically do not state how Joseph felt once he found out about Mary's pregnancy, it's not difficult to imagine how this God-fearing, small-town Jewish young man felt. Maybe betrayed, hurt, angry, sad, disappointed, embarrassed confused. All these emotions are absolutely legitimate feelings when any one of us get our plans blown out of the water. We know Joseph was a man of character and a man of integrity. He had done things the way Hebrews do things. In fact, the way God intended it to be done. Joseph had hoped for a beautiful future with his new wife, perhaps even a family in his new home, surrounded by their families in the small Nazareth community. Joseph knew the law. Well, actually, everybody knew the law. He had the right to dissolve this marriage once he found out about this pregnancy. And he could have demanded even that Mary be put to death because of her apparent infidelity. Joseph knew that going forward with the marriage would be wrong and it would actually proclaim his own guilt. Joseph had a dilemma. Joseph had a predicament. Joseph loved Mary, but knew in good conscience that he couldn't marry her be because of the apparent unfaithfulness. I got to believe Mary told her right away that she was a virgin. I got to believe that, that Mary even revealed what God said, that she was, well, having the child because of the Holy Spirit. But how do you believe that? How does Joseph believe that? Mary, Mary, uh, the story, it's too much. It's too big. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he had two choices, according to the law back then in the first century. A public divorce would mean bringing her disgrace and probably death. A private divorce would be compassionate, and leave Joseph's righteousness intact. It would probably be the best in a terrible situation. So he considered his options. And as he did that, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. But listen, as Matthew 1, starting at verse 18 begins. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, 
while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look! The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph's plan, as we read, was a private divorce. He actually thought it was a good plan. But as he considered it, what he thought would be best for him and for Mary, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. <laughs> Imagine that. God talking to you. He, he, he confirmed some things. The angel literally said this, Mary is a virgin. What she told you is absolutely right. She's not been with a man. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't know how that happened. But that's what God said. And then he said this, don't be afraid. Or literally, the scriptures say this, stop being afraid. You stop this. You need to understand, I'm part of this whole thing. So don't you be afraid. I know you're afraid. Stop being afraid and take Mary as your wife. Now in a dream, maybe there's no conversation. You're just kind of listening at the moment. And the angel then said, the, the child in her womb was spirit conceived. Second time, always emphasis in scripture. She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus because he is going to save all of mankind from their sins. I don't know if you get excited in a dream. I don't. I don't. But I know this, all of a sudden these words started to sink in. If I look at this, Joseph had every right to be afraid. But even in this interaction with the angel, he was told, you can trust God. The angel reminded him of God's plan. That was predicted 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Wow! This wasn't just something he just thought of one Tuesday morning. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, written 700 years before Jesus was born. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God had chosen Joseph and Mary to be part of his salvation story. 
The long-awaited Messiah had come. And Joseph heard this, you will be his earthly dad. We hear that story. We've heard this story a lot. We just automatically assume, whoa, that's cool. What a great privilege. Come on. Think of it. Just try to put yourself there. Just begin to figure out all the complications, all the scenarios, all the snide looks, all the shores. Oh, yeah, virgin. <laughs> We've heard that one before. No, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. You see, Joseph knew that a baby would change everything. All of you parents know that. You do. But this was not an ordinary baby. God had changed his plans and given him a brand new assignment. Who would believe him? Would anyone? He didn't even believe Mary. How's he going to expect anybody else to believe him? No, probably not. But Joseph woke up different. And here's what's so amazing to this young teenager, 18, 19, 20-year-old. He did as God commanded, understanding at least a little bit of what this would mean. Even the fact that hardly anyone, if anyone would believe him, just Listen to the assignment. Raise Jesus. Are you kidding? Okay, perfect Jesus. So how, how do I discipline him? Oh, I don't this. Okay, got it. Yeah. Well, what do I? Question after question. He says, you know what? You've given me assignment, God. Everything changes for me. He took Mary as his wife. He did. He abstained, which again, pretty amazing for a young man. And he did not consummate his marriage. He named the baby Jesus. This isn't what I thought it would be like, God. I don't want Mary to hear this, but, but I'm overwhelmed. We've got this child on the way, and I'm just not ready, Lord. God, is this really how you saw Mary's and my life coming together? I mean, I'm from the line of David, sure. I get that. I do. I really do. But, but God, this? This. Really, Lord. Lord, I, I've got no business raising a... raising a... a king. Lord, I'm a simple man. You, you know this. 
I'm not irresponsible or anything, but, but God, look where I've landed us. We're in a barn, Lord. I mean, God, my whole life, I've planned for things. I've saved up money. I've worked hard, Lord. I mean, the other people that are showing up to this census, they've been planning for it. They, they show up early, but, but Lord, what do I do? I show up with my wife, my pregnant wife, Lord, nonetheless, after a long journey and, and we're weary and, and, and Lord, we can't even find a place to stay. It's just, it's not how I imagined bringing a child into the world, your child into the world. I know, I know. I'm not the first man to have his plans changed by you. Probably won't be the last. But God, I just, I don't feel like I'm the world-changing kind of father, Lord. I mean, there are plenty of other men that are, that are braver than I. I, God, I feel like you have the wrong man. What I'm trying to say, Lord, is, is I feel like I'm not enough. God, if you, if you can see yourself somehow getting glory out of my life, then, well, then I'm willing to take a detour, a really big detour. But God, I promise you this, Lord. Even when I feel like I'm not enough, which I, which I really do, or when I feel like I'm inadequate, God, God, I promise you to give you everything I have. Everything for Joseph changed once he heard from God. Faith in God's word and obedience to <laughs> his words gave Joseph courage. He, he saw Mary differently. Actually, he saw the dilemma differently. I bet. I bet he wondered why God chose him at times. I do. But ordinary, humble Joseph listened to God and quietly made a huge kingdom impact. Joseph's story is amazing. It really is. And only one of the Christmas dilemmas. Joseph was in a difficult situation. And I'm sure 
all the way through the rest of his days, there were times, well, he wondered. But God had told him specifically. And I'm sure he would go back over and over and over again and say, God, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to listen to you. God did speak, just like he does to each one of us in the scriptures. And Joseph listened. And his faith grew all the way through the scripture. Then we read about Joseph. And there are a few other verses, but what's so unique is that when he hears from God, he does it. He obeys. I'm going to listen to you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, listening to God still requires faith. And faith actually changes our lives. Life's going to continue to bring many dilemmas to each one of us. I, I guarantee it. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to do life with somebody who walks with you, encourages you? Wouldn't this day, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Want to take that step of faith. So when you open up God's word, he's talking to you and encouraging you. And you receive strength for the day, for the challenge, and faith for the dilemma that maybe you're walking through this day. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for gracing us. Thank you for this story. Oh, this is an amazing story. It's, it's a story it's so hard to get our arms around. But God, we're inspired. We're convicted. Many of us don't know you the way Joseph did. And we want that. Some may not even have a relationship with you. And today, God, maybe that would happen. And there's others whose faith is growing. Oh, God, they're opening up your word. They're listening to you. They're trusting you. And in spite of their dilemmas and, and, and their predicaments and life's difficulties, our God walks with us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.